Washington's home for breaking news on your favorite team. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in. Blue Jays trailing Baltimore 4-1 on the top of the seventh early this morning. I did not get up for this one. Canada eliminated from the Women's World Cup with a 4-0 loss to Australia. And, of course, the news right here in Edmonton. Stephen McAdoo removed as the offensive coordinator of the Edmonton Elks. Jarius Jackson, who'd been the quarterback's coach, will take over. The Elks' next game is next Thursday against Winnipeg. They are on a bye week this week. And to uh, further discuss, thanks to everybody who called and texted in during the first hour. We'll uh, we'll get to more uh, if we have time before 7.30. We do have the Elks this week at 7.30. Maybe we'll get to some of your feedback. Uh, Kellen, save some of the best messages from today if yeah, you sure. can. Uh, but Blake Dermott is our uh, Elks Inside the Game analyst for our broadcast here on 6.30. Chet. Hi, Blake. How are you? I'm doing fine, Reed. Uh, <clears throat> a lot better than uh, Stephen McAdoo, that's for sure. Um, you know, it uh, was something that, uh, that happened today that I don't think was uh, unexpected. I think... Uh, it was something that probably could have happened earlier, uh, but it didn't. And uh, I hope that it's a step in the right direction. Well, and that's the big question, isn't it? And, uh, you know, a couple of people have written in tonight saying, how is this going to help? Uh, I guess we'll find out. Um, just, uh, let me ask you this. And, and as you know, I, I work with Rob Brown during hockey, and he says when there's a coaching change, even if you didn't like your coach, as a player, you almost feel a little embarrassed. Uh, does that same culture exist in in football when there's a coaching change? Well, I think it, I think it exists throughout sports. I mean, uh, uh, and that was one of the things I was going to bring up. I mean, I was I was lucky enough. We had one coaching change uh, during a season in in my career, and uh, so it's not something that happens very often, especially in, in the CFL in the mid season where changes made. But uh, um, but the change happened because one coach just stepped down. They didn't, you know, didn't physically do that in mean, Jackie Parker, uh, but it wasn't because of our record or anything like that. So, um, but if, if if a coach were to, you know, be fired in mid-season, uh, uh, I remember when Joe Farragelli got fired after we went to the Grey Cup in 1990, and he got fired after that in that off-season. And I didn't think Joe Joe Farragelli was uh, was right for our organization at that time. We had lots of success under Joe, but I just don't think he was right for our organization at that time. But uh, and and I wasn't I wasn't a big Joe Fergelli fan, but I certainly felt bad that you know he he as a as a coach your job is to win and he got us to the Grey Cup and uh, and won a Grey Cup in '87 as a head coach and uh, and now he was gone and it was because he was gone because of stuff that was going on in that locker room. So here here's the question, uh, Blake: um, How do we measure? the success or failure of this <laughs> of this change. Like I, I said earlier, we might not really know for three or four games, especially if it's Daigie and Ford. Uh, we know that winning is still going to be difficult against most of the teams in the league. What are you going to look for to say, like, okay, things are actually changing and maybe there's progress? Well, as you mentioned, there's uh, I, I can't see with the two quarterbacks that they have, if they're the ones that they're going to go with. I can't see an immediate change in in uh, in uh, you know they're going to see that. I, but production, you know, uh, uh, scoring points, moving the ball, continuing drives, and one of the things I was most disappointed about was uh, the amount of uh, uh, penalties that they took. 
And, and I think a lot of times penalties are a clearer indication of frustration. And, uh, and they, they, they become, you know, you can become frustrated. You're frustrated on defense when you go out there and you get four quarterback sacks in the first half and five in the game. And, uh, and your offense can't get first downs. And you're, you're, you're out on the field and you're playing your butt off and you're on the field 10 minutes more than your offense is because your offense can't get out of its own way. And, uh, and, and it will never always be the offensive coordinator. All of the offensive coordinator will never always be on the quarterback. But this was a group that just wasn't playing together anymore. And, uh, you know, the question you brought up earlier is, you know, it, it remains to be seen what Jerry Jackson is going to, uh, you know, going to be able to bring and, you know, it's going to make a big difference. Here's the difference. It's a different point of view. It is a different, even if they're best friends, uh, he's going to do something different than, than what was done before. He's, uh, you know, worked closely with the quarterbacks. He's got an indicator. He doesn't ultimately make the decision on who starts the quarterback, but now he's going to. Um, and he's got, a, he's got a different feel about a game, whether to call a running play in a certain situation or to call a passing play in a, in a certain situation. And he probably has a pretty good feel for what that his quarterbacks are going to be have, have the most success with. So those are the kinds of things he's going to bring to this offense. And I hope, I hope it becomes a better brand for us to watch. And, and, and if it is a better brand for us to watch, because they're having success on the field, and if they're having success on the field, they're going to start winning some games. And here's the really goofy thing about this, this league so far, is that Saskatchewan's only won three games, and two of them have been against the Elks. Mm-hmm. Calgary's only got two wins, and, uh, and uh, one's against Saskatchewan. And there's still 10 games left to go in the season. Um, there's still this possibility. There's a chance. Uh, you know, it's like that, that, that Dumb and Dumber movie. So you're saying there's a chance. You know? <laughs> there is a possibility that these guys could go on some sort of a run and make the playoffs. I saw Ottawa in 19, uh, I think it was 1981. It was in the Grey Cup with four wins against the Edmonton Eskimos and, uh, and almost beat them. So it, it, it's, it's not how you've done it the first half of the season. It's how you finish. It always has been in this league. So, uh, uh, and I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I'm saying there's that possibility that it could happen because uh, I've seen it before. Yeah, well, I've been saying my focus is, is one win. Then I'll go from yeah. there. But I, I understand that you're looking bigger picture than that. So, um you, as you know, Blake, and, and I know you kind of chuckle at me sometimes when I get on a rant about something, especially off air. But you know, I've I've been critical of McAdoo since even when they were winning the Grey Cup. <laughs> so yeah, but and, and, and sometimes you agreed with certain things I said. Like, what was it about McAdoo that just irritated people? Sometimes <laughs> not irritated, but what was it about his offense that made it stagnate at times? Well, here's the thing. I, 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 I've, I've talked to him briefly over the time that he's been here. Um, and um, he, uh, I, this I know about him. He's very hardworking like all, like all coaches are. He's a hardworking guy. But I think what happens with coaches that, uh, that uh, uh, one of the, the things that kill coaches is they become stubborn. I remember doing a coaching clinic, and uh, Rich Stuber was at the coaching clinic. Uh, I was doing it for some minor football teams and had – the Eskimo coaches, uh, the Edmonton coaches, were uh, gladly uh, put their time into to run certain sessions, and and I wanted to. I was always on the offensive side. I wanted to listen to the defensive side. One of the things that Rich Stuber said is he says the one thing about offensive coaches is that you take away the thing that they're best at, because if you take that away, some of them can't get to the second page 
because they truly believe that what they're doing is going to work. And for whatever reason, they keep trying it and they keep trying it because they get stubborn. And when you don't have success, when you run certain plays, and there's plays that they ran this year, like this bubble screen that they run for the last, I don't think it was, I don't think it got more than two yards. That may have been the longest that it, that they had. It was intercepted. It was tackled for losses, but that's a go-to play. He, he uh, and that was always the knock with Stephen McAdoo is that not stretching the field. What does Jerry Jackson say? The first thing that he comes uh, out today in his, in, uh, in his uh, press, presser was, we're going to try to stretch the field. We're going to try to have guys you know, go downfield and feel comfortable. And I think, I think sometimes Stephen McAdoo's system, although very, it, it's sound, if you've got the right personnel, it can be very restrictive. And uh, sometimes you know, when you've got young horses, young horses need to run. And uh, this is a very much a restrictive type of an offense. And it's all about ball control. And, and we have the ball in our hands, and the defense doesn't have the, the they, their offense doesn't have the ball. So, but the trouble is, we got to have 11 play drives every time to score points. And, uh, and well, how many 11 play drives have they had this year, and how many points have they scored? Well, yeah. Well, and even like I, I always print up that, that game summary that lists off every single drive. And, um, I mean, the Elks did have, you know, like, I'll, I'll just give you an example. The Elks had a drive that started on their own, the first drive of the game. They started on their own 40-yard line after BC got a field goal. That's not a bad field position. The drive was seven plays for 14 yards. Now, yeah. penalty was punitive, but they gained six yards. Uh, they gained 11 they gained five. They gained six. An incomplete pass, and then you get a punt. The seventh play yeah. was the punt. So, and that's the one thing. And now, unfortunately, Scott Milanovic never got to coach this team. Who knows what, mm-hmm. where we'd be now if he had? But I remember they had a thing where we got to meet the coaches, you know, before COVID and all that. And I did a, I got like a 10, 11 minute interview with him. And he was really interesting. And he said, in the CFL, you have to have a 20 to 25 yard play at some point on a drive or like minimum 20 yards. He goes, you can't try to gain five yards. And even in the NFL nowadays, I think like you can't just try to gain. Okay. Let's just gain three yards and not fumble. Like it doesn't, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's, that's exactly right. And that's what I would characterize Stephen McAdoo's offense. Um, and even though, I mean, this guy has, has been an offensive coordinator when, when, uh, and when they won the Grey Cup. So this is a guy that knows how to coach. He does. But his, his style of offense certainly hasn't fit the style of player that this organization has at this moment. And, uh, and sometimes, as I said before, you're, you're too stubborn to be, able to, uh, to be able to grow or to be able to try to change what you believe, truly believe in your heart is going to be the, the, the most successful thing for your organization. And, uh, and sometimes you find yourself out of a job. I like how you put that, though, he, that sometimes coaches get so stubborn they don't get to the second page of the playbook. It's yeah. just always, what do I like? What do I like? I know it works. I know it works. But what worked with Mike Riley might not work with, with Cornelius for sure. Right. Okay. Uh, Blake, thanks for doing this. Uh, <laughs> enjoy the bye week. <laughs> and then we'll see what happens next week. Okay, I will. Uh, uh, thanks a lot, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. That is Blake Dermott checking in as the Elks change the offensive coordinator. McAdoo is out. Jarius Jackson is in. I do want to touch on something else uh, when we get back. The, another championship for the Plouffe sisters and Team Canada in 3x3. I'll tell that story in a couple of minutes. 
Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta's precedent-setting injury lawyers. Well, plenty more on the Elks change to the offensive coordinator and the starting quarterback on the Elks this week at 7.30 with Morley and Dave. Uh, we'll get to Morley in a couple minutes here. We, we were uh, teeing this up last week, the FIBA 3X3 event downtown over the weekend. Uh, the men's event wrapped up on Saturday. The women went Saturday and Sunday. And uh, Canada, led by the Plouffe sisters, Catherine and Michelle of Edmonton, won the tournament again. I was able to go to their semifinal and final yesterday afternoon. The final was incredible theater. Great venue in the Fan Park and Ice District. They had that big uh, white temporary covering set up, like a huge kind of tent covering. And... Uh, then um, they uh, so they beat the states in the semifinal. Played China in the final. Very tight, physical. Everything was contested in the game. So it's it's the first team to twenty one, or the game ends after ten minutes. So it was fourteen eleven for China with less than a minute left. Canada scores. A two-point basket. That's the shot from outside the three-point line. They stop China. It's a 12-second shot clock. And then they get the ball back, and they tie it. Then China gets the last shot, and they, they don't score. So it goes to overtime, and it's the first team to get two points in overtime. And Canada got both points to win 16-14. Uh, the Ploofs do it again. I talked to Michelle Ploof after the game. Down 14-11 in the final minute. How did you keep it together and come back? Yeah, we've gotten ourselves in some holes before this season, which was a good experience. Um, so we just remained composed, and uh, we knew it was just going to be a dogfight. China's strong. Um, they got a lot of weapons, especially inside. So we just remained composed, stuck together, and we tried to remain our strength, played a lot of pick and rolls, and uh, use our speed. You, you, they led, or it was tied. Well, I think that there was on one point you guys went ahead by a point, but then they hit a two. I mean, just they're a very tough team. Yeah, it's tough. We knew it was going to be tough. They had to beat some good teams to get here, too. So um, we knew it wasn't going to be a walk in the park, and it was going to be a grinder. Um, but that's kind of been our MO, is just to grind it out, no matter how ugly it is. So it was a lot of fun. What's overtime like in this sport? Because what, it's just first one to get two points? I mean, yeah. that's, that's incredibly tense. Yeah, it's first to two. So we've had a couple games. No, we haven't. I think this was our first this season, but we've uh, practiced it a lot. Our strategy is generally to look for a two first and then the best shot. So I think we scored a, we took a two, got the rebound, and then we just tried to run them off the line so they couldn't hit a two, so. Okay, so you won in West Edmonton Mall, you won across the street last year. Has you won every Edmonton event? Am I missing one? I think we're three for three, Reed. Right. Yeah. Like, that. wow. It's just a storybook. It's always the best to win it at home. So we just feel super blessed to be here and to have the crowd and um, everybody to come out, our families in the crowd. So it was a lot of fun. That is Michelle Plouffe after she helps. She was the MVP of the tournament, so leads Canada to victory in the uh, women's 3x3 event. And they are the number one team in the world. And Catherine and Michelle leading that team. Awesome stuff. Okay, Morley Scott, Dave Campbell standing by for the Elks this week. Morley and I were at the uh, Chris Jones and Jarius Jackson media availability this morning. Well, Morley... Um, we got change. Uh, we we we'll yeah. have to wait a while to see if it's effective change. But I mean, I'm hosting this show every night during the season. Fans wanted something, something to happen, and finally mm -hmm. did. 
And, yeah, and it had to. I mean, with the way things were going and, and the way the, the crowd reaction at the game on Saturday night was, uh, there had to be something done uh, over this bye week. And, and the Elks stepped up and, and did it early. And now uh, Jarius Jackson and, and Chris Jones, I'm sure, are going to have, and the other members of the coaching staff, especially the offensive coaching staff, will be very busy this week. They won't be taking any time off. And they will, uh, they'll be putting together a game plan. Now, who's the game plan for? That's going to be the question because, as we heard today, you know, Daigie and Ford will both get an opportunity to become that starter. Uh, uh, my guess, Reed, I don't know how you how you take it, but my guess is uh, they're both going to get a lot of reps in practice, and I would expect both of them to play in the game, and maybe both of them to play in the Hamilton game after that, and then maybe they'll narrow it down at that point to a guy and try and ride that one guy the rest of the season. Well, yeah, I mean, I, th- I, I like Daigie's poise. I, I know he's made some bad throws, but I like his poise. I think he's uh, a little more fearless than Cornelius has been. And then, yeah, maybe Ford runs around and is a change of pace guy and, and gives defenses something else to worry about for sure. And I, we, I, don't know, we don't know where Ford's at because we haven't seen him yet this right. year, right? So um, that'll, that'll be a very interesting take, too, to find out where he's at in his game. And I'll tell you what, he's been working hard. Uh, there's no doubt about that. I don't know if you noticed today, he was out in the field while the news conference was going on today, and he was throwing the football around. He was working out. He's, he didn't go home over the, uh, over the bye week. He's here and he's working. Uh, I've noticed the last couple of weeks after practice i've stayed a couple of times after practice late taping uh, my podcast and uh he's been out in the field well after everybody's left he goes in and he changes into shorts and a t-shirt and he's out on the field and he's he's running he's running his his routes and throwing at targets and everything he's been working hard so he's doing i think what the coaching staff has asked him to do is work harder be prepared to play and he's he's done that i think in practice over the last few weeks so he's he's going to get an opportunity to yeah well they the, well, they got to go after it right i mean certainly i i know it's a team game morley and and teammates support each other but to have a good team you also need a bunch of ambitious individuals yeah. so i mean yeah. I, I, i'm sure ford and daig are sitting there on saturday thinking i'm pretty sure i could do better than this you know so hopefully they get out there and do it all right and you got a one-on-one with jackson coming up yeah, we'll hear that. Uh, talk with Jarius. We'll hear some uh, some comments from uh, from the news conference today or the availability today. And uh, Dave Campbell will also step in. We'll get his thoughts on the changes that took place today as well and what we can expect moving forward. So a full-loaded half-hour show coming up on the Elks this week. All right. And this portion of Inside Sports presented by Cougar Paint and Collision, our family helping your family for 40 years. The Elks this week is next. Dave's the producer of the show. Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer. My name's Reed. Thanks for listening.